This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Today, I'm talking about part two of this podcast on leadership excellence in crisis, and I'm featuring Jacinda Ardern, Prime Minister of New Zealand. If you haven't heard part one, it may be worthwhile to go back and listen to part one, where I talk about the way she approached the pandemic and leading her country through the pandemic situation. And a couple of the bullet points from last time was how important it was that she established a compelling why, why they were going into lockdown mode in such an intense way, which was to save lives in a massive way, and the clear goal of elimination of the virus, not just containment, and then also really calling the people to take on this solution also as their own. So inspiring them to participate and not just be dictated to or be forced into this position. So today I'm going to add six more strategies to the six that I shared last time. So the the seventh strategy that I want to mention is she identified the collective responsibility in behavioral terms collective responsibility in behavioral terms. So first of all, the expectations of the citizens. She didn't leave it to their imagination to figure out what did the quarantine in level four look like. She described it. She said it means stay home. It means that you're practicing self-isolation. You're not gathering with other people. No swimming at the beach no bushland hunting. You're maintaining six foot or two meter distance between you and other people. Yes, you can go outside. However, you will walk and bike in your own neighborhood, not cross over into other neighborhoods. You will act solitary locally. And she called them to check on their neighbors, to establish telephone trees so they could keep in touch. And to help those people, particularly who were over 70 years old or had health challenges, so that they would not unnecessarily be going out to get food or other things and possibly be exposed to the virus. And for those people who were still working, she talked about working differently, having staggered meal times in the workplace, doing more cleaning in the work environment, and so much more. So everything was described in a level of detail. She also talked about the behavioral responsibilities and expectations of the government, which would be, for example, to keep the grocery stores open. And she had already had conversations with all of the food supply chain personnel, including the food growers in the country. She had already thought about that the expectations for the government to keep the police, the fire and the military and other essential protection services open, the responsibility to have medical care and to keep those facilities open and 
necessary construction, particularly for healthcare facilities, but also in case there's an emergency like a water main breaks or something significant or serious like that happens. She also talked about the accountability measures that she was putting in place so that even the rival political parties could keep tabs on how she was leading through this crisis and even participate in coming up with solutions. She had already reached out across the aisle to her rival political party leaders and had gotten their support before she even came to make public announcements. Similarly, she had obtained business support as well. She did all of this communicating and all of this collaboration up front so that by the time she's in front of the citizens, she's presenting a unified front to the citizens of the country. She also talked about the virtual work conditions for most of the government. Any government workers who are working the majority were not going to be working in person. They would be working from home in a virtual way. Parliament itself would be closed, though if necessary for anything important, they could be recalled as needed. In addition, the borders to the country were all going to be closed. No international travel was going to be allowed during this lockdown period. And this is significant for a country that receives 4 million visitors a year. They were definitely battening down the hatches, knowing that their infection rate really was related to the international travel. Number eight, she also as a leader here, anticipated the citizens' worries and concerns in advance and addressed those concerns upfront before the citizens could get worried or wonder about them. So for example, if you know that you're going into level four lockdown, you know you're not gonna be able to work and that you have to shelter in place at home, the first thing you're gonna think about is how will I have money for necessities like food, like shelter, and other things that you need on a daily basis, like utilities. Immediately, she and other officials in her government briefed the people on the government funding for all levels of businesses to include the self-employed, government funding for private citizens in their homes and who would not necessarily be receiving pay, And she mentioned that there would be enough food. Food would be available in the grocery stores and supplies that people would need. So she encouraged them not to engage in hoarding or panic buying. She also was aware that for the first responders, they would be concerned about their children. Who was going to school the children while they were out on the front lines as first responders. So there were plans for the children of first responders to have a school solution outside of the parents and also plans for some children that had special needs who were learning disabled. And for all the other children, there were online and distance education options and understanding that some people may not have access to the internet or broadband service, then the country was also addressing those concerns and the equipment necessary for online distance education solutions. They also had already put a freeze then on rent 
So people would not be in a situation where their rent was going to go up to a point where they couldn't afford it. And they also put a stop to job terminations that were not for cause during this time. So just the thinking that went into that, to plan ahead, to think about what are my citizens going to be worried about, and let's have that already answered before we even come to the public to even tell them about it. And then that brings me to number nine, which is that she showed compassion for the sacrifices that she was asking people to make. She didn't pretend that the lockdown was going to be easy. She acknowledged the difficulty of level four lockdown and how disruptive it was going to be for people's business and personal lives. She also was honest in saying that not all businesses would necessarily be saved. There may be some that actually didn't make it through the crisis and might end up being permanently shut down. Nevertheless, the government was doing everything that they could to ensure that people were viable during this time and that their needs were met. She also provided two days of preparation before the lockdown went into effect. So for two days, people had a chance to get their affairs in order, get things done before they have to undergo the most strict form of the shelter in place. And for the children out there who might have been worried because Easter came up during this time, she talked to the children about the Easter bunny and about the tooth fairy. And she let them know that the Easter bunny would still be allowed to work in the tooth fairy. And so that in their neighborhoods and in their environments, they would still be able to celebrate and to have Easter egg hunts and so on. And just to think about that, talking to all the citizenry, including the children, that's a very compassionate and important thing to do. And then number 10 is what I'll call two-way and ongoing communication. So that initial press conference that she had included an extensive question and answer period. So prior to the Q&A, she covered every point in great detail. Then she opened it up for questions and answers and the press asked her anything that they wanted to ask. Following the initial press conference, she did daily updates and briefings to the citizens about what was going on, what was happening, any changes on the horizon and so on. It wasn't just her voice. She had more than one voice to brief about the different segments of society the financial and the banking sectors and everything else that would be of importance to the people. And not only did she do these more official briefings, she also did Facebook updates from her own home while she was wearing her own sweatshirt and she continued to communicate with the nation. She also sent out text messages And those text messages arrived with an alarm on people's phones so that it might say something like, Act as if you have COVID-19. This will save lives. Or it might say, stay at home, break the chain. So it was just a constant reminder of what we're doing, why we're doing these particular actions. And she was also realistic in terms of the expectations of results. She warned the people that it might be as much as 10 or even more days before they see success because of the way the virus is transmitted. 
She said initially there might be a steep rise in the cases of the virus, then some leveling off, and then some decline. Now, this is important because if you don't tell people and front load up front that things might get worse before they get better, then people lose hope, they lose heart, and they think that what you're asking them to do is not working. In fact, it is working. This is just the course it takes to work. And she was smart to let people know in advance what that course was going to be. By having those daily updates, she was making sure that misinformation didn't take hold in the minds of the people because they would have the correct information about what was going on. And then number 11, she and her government officials, they also modeled the desired behaviors. She didn't consider herself or her government officials separate from ordinary citizens or somehow not included in the level four plan. Therefore, as I mentioned, she gave briefings from home herself on Facebook. And when one of her public officials violated the shelter in place law and went with his family out in the the hillside on an excursion, she publicly reprimanded that official and said that if it had been a different time, she would even have fired him. However, she did not want to disrupt the plan that they had in place, but she took that very, very seriously. Even talking across the political agency lines and everything else, everyone was modeling the desired behaviors, all the leadership, not just the people that were in her party. Number 12, she provided encouragement and she provided a sense of a future vision. And she said things like, we will get through this together if we stick together. And when asked about whether she was afraid or not, she says, I'm not afraid. We have a plan. And when you think about it, she wasn't afraid because she had a plan. It was a viable plan. It was a plan that made sense because it was informed by the experiences of others. It was informed by science. The way she talked about it certainly inspired confidence in others. She also encouraged employers and employees to talk to each other and to work through options together and to make collective plans. In other words, she modeled for employers and employees the very thing that she was asking them to do because she was doing the same thing in the government. And at the end of the day, she reminded the people by saying this. She said, be kind, be supportive be strong. I hope that you've enjoyed this time that I've spent in these two sessions talking about this exemplary leadership on the port of Jacinda Ardern, Prime Minister of New Zealand, and as we've taken a look at how she walked her country through this pandemic experience and this pandemic episode. As a result of all the work that she did, they actually did see a steep change in the infection cases in the country. They started to go down and they had minimal deaths as a result. As a result of Prime Minister Ardern's excellence in leadership, the number of cases of the COVID-19 virus 
in New Zealand at the last count was about 1,489 cases and only 21 deaths. And it's one of the lowest rates in all of the Western countries. I say congratulations to Prime Minister Ardern for her leadership, and we all can take a lesson from her playbook. It really takes boldness and it takes courage to lead in a time of crisis. And it also takes the ability to reach across the aisles of various different divides, including political divides, in order to unify the country and to come up with something that's compelling and that's going to work. I challenge all of you out there to think about your own leadership. How are you leading boldly and courageously for times such as these? What are you willing to do? What hatchets might you even be willing to bury for the greater good of the people that you are responsible to serve? You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.